How's it going? This is Scott Fish. I co-host a podcast called the Commission Impossible Podcast with Ryan McDowell. We don't exactly go over player values or dynasty trades or potential or rankings or mock drafts, and we usually don't even have guests. We just like to talk about commissioner stuff, so that's what you get. You can learn about lots of different scoring systems, uh, interesting rules, settings, how to set up your playoffs, how to determine draft order, how to determine rookie auction values, things like that. Stuff that commissioners might be interested in, like rivalries or rolling bank rolls or salary caps. We also answer commissioner questions. So if you're interested in that kind of thing, check us out. It's a pretty good listen. listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome back to another episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host again this week, Matt Price. With me, as always, Ryan McDowell and Dan Myler. This week, guys, we're going to get into a three-round Superflex rookie mock draft. But first, Dan, I got I to gotta ask you, man, uh, how, how sad were you with, with Gronk retiring? I was plenty sad. Yeah, I, you know... I love to watch that guy play, and I, I love to see him make those catches. And, you know, of my generation, at least, or at least my lifetime, I've never seen a guy at that position. And I know the debate will rage on, you know, the Tony Gonzalez's and, and all the other guys before him that have been so good at that position. But, you know, I'm, I'm one of the football fans that can appreciate all parts of, of the game. And, you know, his blocking was dominate, dominant and his red zone presence and, you know, his, his nose for the first down, all the things that you want out of a big guy that plays at the end of the, your, your line of scrimmage, he was that. So I, I can't imagine there being another tight end that I feel as great about having on my dynasty team as I did for Gronk for that many years. Yeah, I mean, I, I say what you want about the longevity of guys like, you know, Antonio Gates, Antonio Gonzalez, and Sterling, or sorry, uh, Shannon Sharp. Uh, but for those nine years, Gronk was pretty much the most dominant force in football. I mean, he changed the way he changed the position. Let's just say that. Ryan, uh, there's a chance he might come back. Would you speculative buy him for, I don't know, a late third round in hopes that he comes back in week 16 and, and, and gets you a championship? I don't think I would buy him, but I, I think the the more important decision we probably face is should we keep him on our rosters versus dropping him. And I've got him on a few different teams. And as of now, I plan on holding him. There's there's enough speculation. I mean, it's been, what, three or four days since he retired. And we've already heard from agents. We've heard from coaches. We've heard from players. We've heard from um, media people that all uh, or, or many have suggested that he will at some point come back. So I think I'll be holding at least probably through the offseason, and, and we'll see how things go. Any current tight end on the roster interest you, or are we waiting for a rookie here? I'm a little intrigued by Steven Anderson, um, a nice nice athletic profile. I think I believe he was on their, their uh, practice squad all year. Uh, I'm not sure if he got any game action. Uh, but, I mean, even really all of those guys are 
our long shots. The talk this week since he announced and and it's it's something that they've done before is that they would take two tight ends in this in this uh upcoming NFL draft and this would be the one to do it. We've we've talked on here and and plenty of other people have talked about how deep the rookie tight end class is. Uh more and more in recent years we've seen rookie tight ends uh, make an impact and and perform and produce right away. So I think that narrative is is kind of going away a little bit, and and especially that would be the case in a in an like a plug and play offense uh, like the Patriots. Yeah, that's just what we need is for them to end up with Irv Smith or Fant or something like that and just wreck the league again. Uh, but uh, speaking of rookie tight ends, let's just get into the rookie mock, you guys. We're going to start off with Ryan with the 101. Dan will take the 102. I'll do the 103. We'll go proceed as this. This is a 12-team Superflex PPR draft, uh, and we'll try to knock out 36 picks here. So, Ryan, start us out with the 101. All right. Well, since it's Superflex, that certainly impacts my decision. And last year it really wouldn't have. We've, we've seen years where the – the 101 has been the same player regardless of that format. I don't think that's the case this year. I'm going to take the quarterback, Kyler Murray. I think he'll be the top overall pick in the NFL draft. And I think he should be the top overall pick in uh, Dynasty Superflex rookie drafts as well. Well, Ryan, that, that kind of screws me over because I really thought I was going to get Kyler Murray based on everything I see out there at at number two overall, because, you know, you, you see that everywhere where these wide receivers start to go and, and people are unsure. I completely agree with uh, with your call of taking him at one. If I had the top pick in a super flex draft, I would take Kyler Murray as well, although I'd like to go quarterback with the second pick overall. I, I just don't feel as confident with any of those guys. So I'm going to go to my top wide receiver, and I know this will – probably not go along with everybody else out there. My guy's AJ Brown. I I really like that guy. I think I think he's the the best wide receiver in this class. I I was really hoping he was 6-1 or 6-2, but he came in at 6 foot. Uh and you know, everything about him makes me think of actually a former Packer. I think about Donald Driver when I see him run routes and he he's really precise and um, strong catching the ball, whether it's one-handed or two, two-handed, he changes speeds really, really well. And I feel like he's the impact player out of this draft class, at least at that position. I'm going to stick to my board and say A.J. Green is the second pick in this draft. Or A.J. Brown. Wrong color. Cow. Wrong color. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, Kyler Murray 101 with a bullet pretty easily in Superflex. A.J. Brown, not my number one receiver, so I'm happy to take uh, Nikhil Harry here. My top tier in Superflex drafts right now is just Kyler Murray and Nikhil Harry. It just feels like the safest wide receiver on the board. Uh, uh, I, I think I think A.J. Brown is probably a close second to that in terms of the safeness, but I just love the production profile that Carey gives you, the size, the speed, everything. I know the, hit, the knocks on him are he can't separate downfield, whatever. I, I think he I think he can. So uh, <laughs> I guess so. So I told you I think I can. I think he can. So he must, right? Uh, but no, I think he'll be used really effectively out of the slot um, where he goes. So it's really going to be ten, depend on landing spot with all of these guys, I think. But I think less so with both Nikhil Harry and AJ Brown. So Ryan's up with the 104. If I can just interject really quick, I, I think that's a really good point that 
because these receivers are so close, and and I have Brown at the top of my want list, but I, I am going to say that it's really close, and and a, a prime landing spot for any of these guys can make it make it really drastic jump. A guy could jump from sixth in this exercise all the way to the top of the list. Yeah, I, I love the depth of of this class at the top, and I, I think we could do this this exercise again and we probably will over the next uh, month or, or six weeks and and we would have completely different results uh, just because a lot of these guys are so close uh, for me this is this is like dream scenario uh, Kyler Murray is my 101 in this format my 102 is Hakeem Butler uh, he is my 101 in, uh, I guess, one quarterback leagues or non-super flex. So uh, I'll make Hakeem Butler the pick here at at uh, four overall. Yeah, I love that at four. He would have been my pick at five as well. So nicely done once again, Ryan. I, I, I see a trend coming along here and, and feel like that's going to keep happening. Going to keep happening. Uh, I was really hoping we'd... We'd spin that thing around at the at the turn between three and four, but I guess not. I'm going to have to settle, I guess, for yet another wide receiver. I'm going to take DK Metcalf, and I know that you know the narrative, especially in the dynasty community and the draft Nick community and 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 everything really, especially on Twitter, is wow, he's so good at this, and wow, he's he's not so good at that, and everybody's trying to make comparisons and and. You know, when it comes down to it, I see a fast receiver that has separation skills, at least at the college level. And I know the production wasn't necessarily there at Mississippi, but all those skills translate. And if if what we're seeing in mock drafts, Ryan and Matt, actually comes to fruition and he's taken in the first round or even taken in the top half of the first round, that draft capital is going to be good enough that dynasty owners everywhere are going to be very happy picking him in the top half of the first round of the draft. And even in a super flex here, I would feel good, especially if that comes comes up and, and he is selected that highly in the NFL draft, I'd feel good getting him at five. Yeah. So, I mean, I think Metcalf is, is a really interesting case. And in many ways, he's kind of the story of this class, everything that we've seen, and who knows how it will play out, but everything we've seen says that he will be the first wide receiver off the board. And if you want to throw running backs in there, certainly we don't expect any running backs to be uh, necessarily drafted ahead of him. So if Metcalf is drafted in the top 10 or the top 15, and he's wide receiver one uh, in the NFL draft, do you think it would drafts would stay like this where guys like Brown and Harry and Butler are all going ahead of him. Do, do dynasty players have enough concerns that we're going to ignore uh, the draft capital and, and what NFL teams tell us? I, I think history, well, obviously it depends completely on where those guys fall. If, if AJ Brown falls right. to the top of the third round, that's going to change things drastically. And even for me, a guy who's, who's a big AJ Brown supporter. So if we look beyond that, I think the, the past has at least told us that the NFL will point dynasty owners in the direction that, that they went. I, I think we follow along, at least to some extent. Um, we all 
remember Bishop Sankey and him being the top running back taken in that draft, and then suddenly he moved up draft boards. And although that was one big mistake by a general manager in Tennessee that turned into a big mistake for a lot of dynasty owners, I think that example alone is enough to tell us that that we're going to at least take into consideration what those GMs and NFL offenses offices are thinking I think for me this is this is the most maybe not the most but it's up there in terms of landing spot dependent draft class like I said I think Kyler Murray and Nikhil Harry I think those two are are pretty safe wherever they go probably AJ Brown as well but then you get into guys like Metcalf and it just I think if he goes to like remember when Doriel Green Beckham went to the Titans and we're like I don't know about that coaching staff and I don't know if they're gonna be able to use them and I know they're not the same player and all that but it just feels like that same same kind of thing if they're gonna take a player that only lines up on one side of the field and forces him to move all over the field before he's ready and learns the position then I don't know if I really even want any part of him despite the physical freakness of him uh, and all the measurables and everything so I think especially with Metcalf it's gonna be real I want him to go to a creative offense or something somebody that I believe in in terms of how they're going to use and, and, and deploy that kind of a weapon. So uh, I, I think that is more important to me than, than draft capital, unless we're talking about like multiple round differences here. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a good point. I guess I guess what I was thinking is, and, and we've seen this come through in, in ADP and people have been running Twitter polls and things like that, where Metcalf earlier was either one or two in in most of those exercises and now post combine and, and we saw uh, the agility stuff and uh, everybody's a, a little concerned and maybe rightfully so he's been more in that four or five six range depending on the format and and I guess I'm just wondering is that is that going to hold or are we just kind of telling ourselves a story right now I don't know I just th- I just think it's I just think that people are becoming more and more familiar with the players, whether it's the, the combine results and everything. It is weird that after that combine that his ADP went down. That, that is weird. But I think for, like for me personally, I think his floor is just so low that in this middle of the first round, the, 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 the five, six, seven area is where I'm really comfortable. I think five is where I'm, I'm really comfortable taking him there. So uh, if you're someone that's going to shoot for the ultimate upside, then I don't know how he is in your 101s. But if you're a little bit more risk averse and, and want to like, make sure you hit or get some kind of production out of your first round pick, then I think that's where uh, the, that upper first round pick is, is where um, you know, you're going to feel safer towards the middle of that round. You know, while I agree with a lot of what you said there, Matt, I, I do disagree a little bit that that upside makes an obvious 101 for the guy who's a risk taker, because I think a lot of these guys, these other guys that we've talked about here have that same upside, like like perhaps even elite wide receiver one upside with, with a few of these guys. Now, while... Metcalf, his floor might be a lot lower than guys like Brown and and maybe even Harmon, and you could probably throw Butler and Harry in there as well. Um, I think I think top end wide receiver one upside that's that can be at least talked about with each of these top five guys at the position. Ryan, do you have something else? No, I I don't know. I I just the the ceiling floor thing is is interesting. If you look at these guys that we've taken Murray, Brown, Harry, Butler, and Metcalf. I think it's probably fair to say that Metcalf has the highest ceiling, but he certainly has certainly has the lowest floor. And and maybe Kyler Murray just because of some of the questions surrounding his game 
Maybe he's kind of the quarterback version of that, though he, to me, he feels like a safer investment from a dynasty standpoint. No, I, I think that's that's spot on. I think there is a low floor there for sure. You know, whatever you say, whatever you want about the size concerns. You know, if he comes out and, and it turns out that he did actually gain a weight, bunch of weight just to pass uh, the mustard at the at the combine, then you know we might be be sad about his his play on the field if he get cru- gets crushed a couple of times but again it's super flex and quarterback's so valuable how can you not take the upside of that particular position when there are so few difference makers so i think that's kind of the difference whereas okay you miss on a wide receiver there's like 75 more wide receivers but if you miss on a quarterback then you know you gotta you gotta take your shots at quarterback i guess yep um but anyway, that's a lot. That's a lot of talk about DK Metcalf. Let's move on. One hundred and six. I'm going to go ahead and fire off the first running back. My running back one now, Miles Sanders. Uh, not a whole lot to say about him. He just feels like the safest guy. He has the the. I know it's the one year production, but we have to remember playing behind Saquon Barkley. So that uh, has to be. You have to kind of give that to him. And then he kind of hit all the marks at the testing and the testings that we wanted to see. So uh, he just seems like the running back with the least amount of question marks right now. And at this 106, middle of the first round range, is kind of where I see him kind of falling. A lot of dynasty owners out there will probably raise an eyebrow to that, Matt. I know the three of us here talking on the podcast have always been Miles Sanders fans. Um, You guys have talked about moving him up to your running back one. I thought I was ahead of the game when I moved him up to my my running back two just a couple of weeks ago or following the combine. So I, I guess I haven't made that leap just yet. I've, I've felt like doing the same. Uh, Sanders has been one of my guys for a few years now, ever since he arrived at Penn State. I've, I felt like he was just overshadowed by Saquon there while Barkley was on campus. Um, really looks like the real deal can contribute in all facets of the game at running back and be a three-down player. Uh, really wasn't used in that way necessarily at Penn State. You mentioned the one year of production, but wasn't on the field all the time in his final year on campus either. Uh, I really feel like the best is still to come with Sanders. He's going to be a better pro than even he was a Big Ten running back. So I can't I can't disagree with you here. He belongs in the middle of the first round, even in super flex drafts. Yeah, I love that pick as well. That that would have been my pick here at seven. Um, but since since Matt sniped me, I am gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with the the last player that I think is a lock to be a first rounder in the NFL draft. And we we talked earlier about draft capital. Uh, I do think it matters. I think it's important. And Dwayne Haskins is is certainly going to be a first rounder, maybe uh, and and probably a top ten pick. Um, I've got, I've got some questions about him, uh, but at at seven in, uh, in a super flex, super flex format, I think he's a pretty easy pick at that spot. So I'll go with, uh, the QB two Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, that was, that was my pick there for sure. I, I, I waffled on him and, and Sanders. I figured you would, you would take your second quarterback here. What if you were, uh, a team that punted quarterback in a super flex league? How do you feel about Kyler Murray and Dwayne Haskins as your two starters in, in 2019, Ryan. Mm, I don't feel good about that at all. <laughs> um, I mean, if if I want to keep punting, I feel I feel really good about it. So if you if you're taking Haskins there, are you are you looking to flip him at some point, or or is he a piece that you're gonna you know you're gonna kind of keep on your roster? 
Uh, I would certainly be willing to to flip him for sure, but that's not necessarily the goal. I mean, the way I play Superflex is to build as much quarterback depth as possible. If I have five starting quarterbacks on my roster, I'm I'm happy with that, and I and I do in a couple of leagues. Um, so Haskins, ideally, would just be depth and a guy that uh, that would never see my lineup in year one, and and honestly, Murray would would be the same thing. We talked about the tight ends kind of stepping up and producing as rookies. I don't think we can expect Baker Mayfield type seasons from from these guys or or from rookie quarterbacks in general. Um, it, it certainly happens. We've seen plenty, or we, you know, we've seen a handful of rookies, rookie quarterbacks over the years really make an impact, but um, not not the norm. So I wouldn't expect to start either of these guys in their first year. Danny, you're up at 108. Ryan, you mentioned earlier that you think DK Metcalf could be the story of this NFL draft. I think perhaps in Superflex leagues, Dwayne Haskins could be the story of the first round because he's the kind of guy that, because of that upside, considerable upside, I would say, because all the, you know, the arm talent and all that, although he's not that, you know, big athlete that you'd, you'd like to see necessarily. I think the arm talent overshadows all of that and could get dynasty owners everywhere pretty excited about his upside. You could see him move all the way up towards the top of these rookie drafts in super flex leagues. And then I kind of feel like going to 107 is a little bit of a slide. So um, I, I feel like you got good value there. He certainly would have been the pick at 108. I actually considered him and Miles Sanders as well at 105, but thought the upside of Metcalf was uh, was too much to pass up. Um, again, I'm kind of boxed into a corner. You got my guy for the for the third straight time, Ryan. I'm going to be, I guess, reluctant or slightly reluctant to take Kelvin Harmon here at eight since Sanders and Haskins moved on. Another one of those wide receivers with big upside, 6'2", 220, has the size, has the has everything you're really looking for for a guy to become a wide receiver one on an NFL roster. I, I think, like I said before, he has the potential to be a wide receiver one for dynasty owners. So to get him at 108 uh, feels like a pretty good bargain in a super flex league considering he's going a few picks earlier in regular leagues. Yeah, Harmon. Harmon was actually the guy uh, when I when I looked at my rankings. Uh, he was the the next guy I had in line. I had him ranked above Haskins on that last uh, that last pick, and that just tells me I need to go back and update my rankings a little bit. I, I realized I I do prefer the quarterback there, and and Harmon has taken a hit between the combine and and the age thing that uh, that came out. Uh, over the past month or so. so he's he's certainly a guy that's sliding and uh, I, I mean I've, I've heard uh, you know reports and seen him mocked as as late as day three, early day three. So if he falls to the fourth round, I, I think we could see him falling out of the first round of dynasty rookie drafts, which is not something we would have expected. Six weeks ago, this is a guy we, we were talking about as possible 101 in in some case. Yeah, and, and because of that, I'm still holding on to hope, but I know all those reports are are enough to make make Dynasty owners leery, and I'm certainly one of them, but 
I, I have a hard time believing it's all going to happen, that that it's actually going to going to come through and he ends up the the 120th pick in the draft. That just doesn't add up when you watch him and put on his his film and, and see how dominant he was at times. It seems like that's going to translate to the NFL to me. At least it's semi-safe. And maybe this is all to do about nothing. I, I really hope it is because I like his game. Yeah, I'm certainly not giving up on him. I, I have moved him down in my rankings. But, I mean, you know, we're reminded every year that the NFL draft brings us surprises and NFL teams think about these players differently than we do. Um, I mean, even this this time last year when we were drafting, we probably took Equinemia St. Brown in the first round. And then he falls to, uh, you know, what, the sixth or seventh round of the of the draft and nearly went undrafted. So there, there's always some surprises. I certainly don't think Harmon will, uh, will fall like that, but um, our, our rankings and mock drafts are going to look very different in 32, 33 days, whatever it might be. Yeah. It was funny. You mentioned that you actually had him above Haskins there. I actually had him above just above Haskins and Sanders. I, I actually uh, fixed my rankings on the spot there. So yeah. it was pretty like all of a sudden it was like, yeah, you know, actually I do want Sanders and Haskins over Harmon. But because uh, I, I, I had just stuck with that top, that top tier of the, those top five receivers. But uh, yeah, I think he's my eight now um, in a super flex league. Uh, 109 though, my uh, I'm going to take David Montgomery at this time last year. Many thought he was going to be the 101 in 2019 rookie draft. So it feels pretty good to get here. Him here at the late first area, um, you know, I'd like to see some agility drills from him, but that's not going to happen. We saw him improve on his 40 time a little bit in his pro day. So it uh, feels, still feels pretty safe, good receiving back. So uh, pretty excited to get him here in the late first. Yeah, I like, I like Montgomery. I think these these running backs, there's <laughs> there's really no clarity, which kind of makes it yeah. fun. Um, I, makes I, it I know people – i know people still rank Montgomery. some people still rank montgomery as their rb1 in the class and uh i i can i can see a case for that for me he's he's actually rb3 so i'll take my second guy and i think i I might even snipe dan for the third or fourth time i'm gonna take josh jacobs here um again he's my second ranked running back Uh, certainly a little concern after his pro day he didn't didn't wow everyone like uh, like many were hoping or expecting, uh, but I, I still think he has a good chance to be the first running back drafted uh, in the NFL. And and again, that draft capital carries some weight with me. Uh, you know, it feels like I've been settling throughout this entire draft so far. I, I, I settled on taking A.J. Brown, even though I have him ranked so highly. I settled on D.K. Metcalf when I felt like I, I kind of wanted – uh, wanted Butler. Uh, then I then I settled on Kelvin Harvin when I thought, yeah, I'm probably going to get Sanders or Haskins. So now, uh, now that both the running backs go, I'm going to have to settle once again and probably take a guy that you got. I'm not going to snipe anybody in this case. Uh, he's been one of my guys for a couple of years. Watch him at Ohio State. I feel like he's going to be a big time playmaker in the NFL. I know he's probably not in the end of the first round for a lot of dynasty owners yet. When he gets drafted in the top 40 picks of the NFL draft, I think he's going to move up real fast. That's Paris Campbell. Uh, I like how he, how he 
obviously everybody had to like how how he looked at the combine um the size checked out as well he hit six foot some people were worried he'd be 510 or 511 um exciting player that everybody seems to think his knock or his weakness is in route running and if you look at that program over the top five or six or the last five or six years they don't ask that speed receiver to be a route runner and and to be dynamic in that way they ask him to be a speed guy let me get get the ball in your hands at the line of scrimmage or around the line of scrimmage then you make moves and become a punt returner and he excelled in that way I think he'll continue to excel in that way. He's going to improve as a route runner and show that he's better than maybe people think he is. Uh, When he got those opportunities, he looked good um, in the short to intermediate, particularly I think Paris Campbell's going in the top 40 picks, as I mentioned. If he lands in a prime landing spot with a quarterback that can deliver the ball on time, he has a chance to be one of the most dynamic rookies in this class. And to get him at 11, I feel good about that. Yeah, if you can get the next uh, Curtis Samuel in, with a first rounder, I think you have to do it. I'm just, I'm just teasing. No, uh, Campbell is is kind of moving a Curtis up. Curtis Samuel guy. He's better than Curtis Samuel. I, I think he's better than Curtis Samuel as well, and and he is he is kind of moving up my board a little bit. I'm not quite sold like you are, and and I wouldn't take him over some of the other players left on the board, but. Um, he's, he's growing on me at least. I I feel the same as Ryan. He's growing on me, but I'm not ready to take him over a couple other receivers and a couple other, uh, running backs here. Um, I actually, I'm back up so I can make my pick here at one twelve. I'm going to take Debo Samuel, who is my, uh, sixth receiver in this class. I just love that competitive toughness and upside. He brings the route running everything. Uh, uh, he just, he runs through arm tackles like crazy. He just feels like a running back with the ball in his hands. Um, you know, I think he can contribute on special teams early too. So uh, even if he's not a big part of the offense right away, he's going to be a big part of the team, uh, that way. So I, I think he's going to be drafted higher than people may, that maybe, maybe think, uh, maybe not as high as Campbell, just based on the measurables. But, uh, I really like Debo Samuels here as my wide receiver six at the one twelve. Looking at some of the, the guys that are left, this just tells me we should all be buying, late first rounders, early second rounders. There's uh, at least a handful of guys I would still uh, really like to have on my roster. And and any of them could come off the board here with this uh, early first rounder. Uh, I'm just going to take the next guy on my board. It's again, it's really close, but right now that's Daryl Henderson, the running back from Memphis, uh, just obviously super productive for them. I'm, I'm not worried about the level of competition. I know that's, that's been a knock for, uh, for some, uh, he was actually faster even than I thought he would be than many thought he would be at the combine. And, and, and we thought he would be fast. He, he impressed, uh, even with those high standards or high expectations. So Daryl Henderson, 2.01. Yeah, Henderson's a nice pick. Finally, you didn't you didn't snipe me. He would have been a close one for sure. I'm going to go take the first tight end. And, and part of the reason maybe that I took Paris Campbell where I did is because a tight end hadn't gone just yet. And it's, it's such a deep class that I feel like if there's not one in the first round, that there's a pretty good chance that maybe you get one at the end or trade up a few picks if you're at 211 and, and still get one later on. Um, because they're so closely rated. I'm going to take Noah Fant. He's still my top tight end. Um, I'm not like clinging to that or anything like that. Draft 
capital is going to certainly play a role in in how how these guys shake out in rookie rankings once the NFL draft happens. I I just think the chance to get that speed in those hands on a on a team uh, is too much to to pass up, especially if he's lasting to pick 14 in a rookie draft. Yeah, that was a snipe for me. I was hoping to get Fant here, still my tight end one. Uh, but the other two are really growing on me, and if they land in a better spot than Fant, then I could easily see all three of those guys being rearranged there. Uh, before I make 203, just a quick recap of the first round. Kyler Murray, A.J. Brown, Nikhil Harry, Keem Butler, D.K. Metcalf, Miles Sanders, Dwayne Haskins, Kelvin Harmon, David Montgomery, Josh Jacobs, Paris Campbell, and Debo Samuels. And then Henderson and Noah Fant for the first two picks of the the second round, my pick here, I'm going to go back to running back, and I'm going to take this, the really safe guy, Damian Harris, here. You know, Josh Jacobs is getting all the hype, of course, uh, based on his film. But, you know, Harris has been the old standby. He's the one been, who's been producing. I think he's going to be a solid NFL back. If, if unspectacular, that's fine. I think he can be a, a, a kind of a lunch pail kind of guy and still put up points for us. And in the second round, I think that's a – a pretty safe pick, uh, you know, given second-round rookie hit rates. I think uh, Harris there is uh, is pretty safe. So, 203, Damian Harris. Yeah, I think on here, I, th- I think on here at least, I have compared Josh Jacobs and Sony Michelle, not necessarily their playing style, but just their dynasty value, how each of them uh, really saw a, a, a quick and uh, – drastic increase in dynasty value and NFL overall value uh, from basically the college football playoffs until and through the NFL draft. But their teammates are kind of comparable too. I mean, we've seen for for four years now, Damian Harris has been a producer. Uh, I, I think two or 3,000 yard seasons for Alabama. He's been the, the guy from that backfield that dynasty owners wanted. And it was the same story with Nick Chubb. And then around this time, we saw we saw Sony Michelle overtake Nick Chubb in in dynasty dynasty value and mock drafts and and ultimately in the NFL draft. And and now we're seeing the exact same thing here with Harris. And and in fact, in this case, it's even uh, it it's even more drastic, I guess, because Harris is probably going to fall to the late first round or, or even into the second round of rookie drafts where, whereas Chubb was still, uh, still in an early first rounder in most drafts, but I don't know, maybe there's a lesson to be learned there. I think I'm also going to miss, I think I'm going to miss on Josh Jacobs completely, whether he hits or misses. I just think he's going too early for, for my taste. So I'm happy to take the the second guy. I think I'm going to get a lot of Harris this year and, and probably not a lot of Jacobs. And that, that might be a real bad thing or it might be a, be a real good thing. I guess we'll have to wait and see. All right. I think it is my pick. Uh, it's interesting that we have um, three different wide receiver sixes. Dan took Campbell. Matt, you, you mentioned that Debo Samuel was your wide receiver six. My wide receiver six after that, the big five is J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, and I'll take he, him here uh, with the 2.04 pick, which, which kind of feels like a steal, uh, personally. Yeah, I, I actually have Arcega-Whiteside and uh, Paris Campbell side-by-side side in my overall rankings. They're, they're both very close. They're both right in here in the in the 13, 14, 15, 16 kind of range. 
And so I don't have any problems with that at all. I, I think these speed guys, especially, it's hard not to lump them together. And, you know, maybe maybe there's another wide receiver that fits into this group as well that we'll get to, I'm sure. I'm going to go back to the tight end position again and, and go back to Iowa at the position and take Hawkinson. Um, you know, he profiles more as that inline guy that's going to help out in the, in the running game as well. I think he's got a big chance to be a big time red zone contributor, um, which as we all know, can translate into tight end one production, even as a rookie. And I know that tight end position doesn't necessarily see that happen a lot, but it's starting to slowly. We saw a couple of, especially mid round guys last year, kind of get into that debate of whether they can be uh, low-end tight end ones if they score touchdowns and things like that. So I think Hawkinson has a big, big-time future in the league. It may not happen in year one, but I think there's the potential for it. And in the middle of the second round in a in a super flex draft, that seems like about the right t- time for him. So I think this is probably a good idea, a good time to, to have this tight end conversation. We talked about Gronk earlier in the show, and I mentioned something on Twitter along the lines of, if the Patriots land Fant, Hawkinson, or Irv Smith, those guys are automatically top 10 dynasty tight ends, which probably was not uh, well represented on my part, because actually Fant and Hawkinson, based on ADP, are already top 10 dynasty tight ends, whether uh, whether that's deserved or not. That's kind of already how they're being valued. So just, I I guess from the perspective of a dynasty rookie draft, if those top three guys, one of those top three guys goes to new England, how high do we take them? Not in a super flex draft necessarily, but just, just in a one quarterback rookie draft, how high do you think they could, could be selected? 109, 110. Oh, I think quite a bit higher than that, actually. I think there's a chance mid first, maybe as high as 105. That's okay. I mean, I think it depends. I mean, obviously, depends on where everybody else is, too. Right, right. Basing it. it Basing it on like what we saw in the 2017 class, I just it seems seems rough to get a tight end up into that top six, but I might be wrong. Now, I'm not saying that necessarily that's the right decision to make if you have the fifth pick but i i see the dynasty community over exaggerating or overreacting to that news especially if that's the the first pick that they make i think there's a little bit of difference uh can you imagine if the patriots traded up to get one of them what what the community would do (laughs) and how how highly they would go uh if suddenly the patriots moved up to 17 to draft noah fant uh, things would get out of control. So I think there, there's probably more to the story than just if they land on the team. Obviously, we've seen it in the past. When a guy ends up in New England, especially a position player, the, the community reacts, and that guy moves up. I, I have a question for you guys. Is Irv Smith a, a player that was recognized in Devi very well? Was he on Devi rosters? No. Okay, because I was I was I was thinking, you know, I I think it's gonna unless they trade up, like Dan said, I think it's gonna be really tough for for the Patriots to get one of those top two guys. But Irv Smith seems like a guy that could fall right into their lap. So right. if he's on Devi rosters out there, and you really feel that the, that the Patriots are gonna draft a tight end, you might want to go and try and get him him now. But I guess that that's a moot point if he's not even considered in Devi leagues. Do you think if Irv if they sit at thirty two and they take Irv Smith, 
and and let's just assume an an average landing spot for the other two earlier than that pick would Smith be the tight end one yeah I think so especially if we're assuming the average landing spot you know um well we've we've seen Detroit pretty nice landing spots outside of New England for tight ends um so if they don't land land in one of those spots I, I think we can probably assume that they're the top guy but I think we we could probably assume that they go like 12 through 16 the entire the maybe 10 through 16 the entire group of the three right i agree yeah i think if fant ends up on say the packers dan that would be pretty nice or right but that's one of those top landing spots that would change yeah i'm saying i'm saying if that's the case then i'm probably still taking fant over over smith but you know maybe not okay so let's say detroit takes hawkinson that's been a common right a, a common landing spot. Yeah, and, they already know. We already know they can't use tight ends. And the Raiders take Fant. Yeah, it's Smith. It's, it's it Smith, would be Smith. But right? but Fant's close enough, just because Cook was able to to be a top twelve guy at the position in in Oakland. I I think it's close, and you would see some owners go with Fant in that case. Oakland isn't necessarily the worst landing spot. I think it's a middle of the road, maybe a top fifteen, but not top ten landing spot for a tight end. He was also the only only player there too. So now with age, with obviously with right. uh, with Brown yeah. and, and uh, yeah, and Tyrell. So anyway, let's get back to this mock, you guys, because we're starting to run short on time. So we're going to move through these a little bit quicker. Two oh six. I'm going to take Andy Isabella. I think he's more than just a slot receiver, considering the small school uh, uh, pedigree he has, but the the production he put up against. Uh, a top composition in the SEC. I mean, I think I think I said it on the Command Center podcast actually, Ryan, that he probably has more production against the SEC than than Riley Ridley does in just a few games. Uh, so uh, I really like Andy Isabella here. I th- if he lands on it, I mean, talking about Patriots, he seems like a Patriot to me, right? Uh, if he lands on the Patriots to be the heir apparent to Julian Edelman or whatever then uh, I think he is more than a slot guy, but if he ends up in that situation, I think he's going to be, be really valuable for fantasy. So Andy Isabella at the 206. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's a reach or anything like that. I don't think he's necessarily got to land in a spot like New England or anything like that. There, there are a lot of good, good spots for Isabella, and like you mentioned, not necessarily to be that guy that has to play inside. Yeah, it's, it's hard to imagine, honestly, New England getting him unless they use that – that 32 pick on him. Um, I think he's going to be gone before their, uh, their late second. I'm not sure if, if they have other picks in the second that they've acquired, but uh, I am up at the 2.07. We've talked so much tight end. So I'm going to take the third one. I'll take Irv Smith here uh, because somebody told me he was landing with the Patriots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't be too bad. That'd be a steal in that Someone case. Named you, didn't, myself. you didn't get my guy this time. Uh, Ryan, I would I would have liked to take all three tight ends in kind of in succession here uh, and just keep knocking them out. But that's all right. I'm going to settle, I guess, for Marquise Brown, another speed guy that I think has a really high upside. But obviously the size is a big question mark. uh, And and he hasn't done anything to to really change that narrative. Hopefully, um, hopefully he lands in a nice spot that uses that speed receiver that guy that gets downfield and and also the guy that can get the ball at the line of scrimmage on those bubble screens and things like that 
Um, there's the potential for him to be a playmaker for dynasty owners. Uh, also has a really low floor, but I think mid to late second round, getting him there seems about right. Man, I just I don't know why, but I cannot get on board with Marquise Brown. I get I get like John Ross kind of feelings with that guy just because of the size. Right, speed, but with Brown, uh, you're you're uh, not playing the John Ross price tag. <laughs> that that's fair. You are you are getting him about a round later than he than than Brown than uh than Ross went in, in rookie draft. So that's fair. Um, 209, I'm going to take Justice Hill, go back to the running back position, a guy who obviously had a very impressive combine, guy that, that tore it up on the field. And, uh, you know, again, going back to the DCC podcast, I think I think Curtis called him a combination of, like, was it like Reggie Bush and, I don't know, somebody. So uh, that, that, that sounds good to me. I like his 40 time. Obviously, he's fast. He's, he's going to be productive. I think he can catch more than we necessarily saw in college. So Justice Hill seems like a nice upside pick here in the late second. You got me, Matt. That was that was my guy. Um, and now this is another one of those picks where I'm re-examining my uh, my <laughs> rankings, kind of doubting myself, spot. doubting myself a little bit. I think this is probably the spot where I would uh, look look back to the quarterback position. Uh, I don't. I, I don't know. It, it, it's going to be easy to forget you're even in a super flex league because after those top two guys, uh, there's, there's a lot of question marks with these guys. And honestly, I don't, I don't really like any of them, but Drew Locke is probably going to be a first round pick um, has been mentioned as early as 10 overall to the Broncos. So getting him at the end of the second or late in the second feels like a pretty good value, even for a guy i I don't necessarily love as a prospect. Yeah, when I took Brown at 208, I thought about going to the quarterback position, but without knowing those landing spots and what that draft capital looks like, it's hard to make the plunge on those guys. For the record, I really do feel like if Drew Locke goes at 10 overall, you're not going to see him available in drafts after the middle of the second round, and, and maybe not even after the first couple picks in the first in the, in the second round. I think that's probably holds true for any of these quarterbacks. What you said there Ryan really ho- is going to hold true. It really depends on where and when these guys go and then then we'll start seeing these quarterbacks in the in the maybe even late first, early second, middle of the second guys that are going in the third and and maybe going undrafted in mock rookie drafts right now will be drafted once we know where they land and what teams they land and what kind of position they're in to, to make plays. I'm going to go with a name here at 211 that I really don't want to be painted as the Riley Ridley guy because I, I was such a Kelvin Ridley guy. Um, Ridley is going to be my pick here at 211, really because Ooh. Ryan took Drew Locke, and I, I was going to go in that direction. Although I think Ridley sometimes get gets painted with the brush of his big brother and, and people expect him to be the same player. He's obviously not. He doesn't quite have the, the same twitch and, and, and ankle breaking ability for lack of a better term, I guess at the top of his route, he does get separation though, despite not having those really quick times, uh, both in the 40 and the short shuttle. So I, I think there's going to be a place for Riley Ridley. I, I think, towards the end of the second round is where I expect him to land. Uh, I could have gone with one of these other quarterbacks, but decided not to. I'm sure I'll grow to regret that, though, now. 
don't go read my draft profile on on Riley Ridley. You won't you won't like it, Dan. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, but everybody else read it so you don't make Dan's mistake and take him at the end of the second round of the Super Bowl draft. No, just kidding. Uh, I'm gonna I am gonna take a quarterback. My quarterback three in this draft class currently, Jared Stidham. I just Aww. think he's a smart guy. Uh, he, he has a nice arm. Uh, watching him throw at the combine was was a real eye and opener for me, and being able to connect with receivers that he's not familiar with. Um, he's got that that nice classic release. Uh, I think he's got just enough footwork to avoid pressure in the pockets. Um, and, and I think he is accurate on the run too. So uh, uh, I like I like Jared Stidham in a super flex here at the end of the second pretty pretty well. I like Stidham as well. He's he's really close to that QB three spot uh, with Dre Lock for me. And I was really surprised. I ran some super flex rookie mock drafts to to gain some ADP for the site and. Jared Stidham was going undrafted in some of these wow. in, in three round drafts. I, I don't get it. Um, I, I like him. I think he'll, he's certainly going to be a day two pick and kind of the story that we've been talking about today, it's going to come down to landing spot. And, and for him though, it doesn't have to be the dolphins or the giants or anything like that, where there's, there's maybe a clear path to, to playing time. I'm fine. Uh, if he lands, in one of these one of these spots where there is an older quarterback, and there's a lot of those spots, right? If it's Pittsburgh or the Chargers or the Patriots or um, the Saints, it, any of those I think would be would be great spots for Stidham or r- really any of these any of these rookie quarterbacks. Honestly, let me uh, recap real quick here, and then we're going to finish up with a rapid fire third round to get us out on time. Two hundred one went Daryl Henderson. Two hundred two Noah Fant. Damian Harris. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, T.J. Hawkinson, Andy Isabella, Irv Smith at 207, Marquise Brown, Justice Hill, Drew Locke, Riley Ridley, and Jarrett Stidham to finish the second round. Ryan, start us off with 301. I'm going to stick at the quarterback position. Kind of like Drew Locke, this is another guy I don't necessarily believe in as a prospect, but he's then getting first-round hype. Because I do. I'm taking it. <laughs> Listen, you took Riley Ridley. This is your own fault. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Like, it's not even like you took a good player for him. <laughs> oh, man. I, I'm going to be painted as the Riley Ridley guy again because I'm just going to always <laughs> get him on this podcast. <laughs> All right. I'll take Daniel Jones, uh, fifth quarterback off the board, early in the third round. That's uh, that's another steal. Yeah, that's a steal. I, You know, I said at the end of my Ridley spiel that I was going to regret not taking the quarterback, and I absolutely do. Um, I th- I really do feel like those are the guys, the the five quarterbacks that have the chance to be NFL starters and make a contribution to your dynasty team. Beyond that, it feels like you're taking guys that are developmental projects that maybe you get something out of down the road, but there's certainly nothing guaranteed with them. I guess I have to go back to one of the other skill positions. I'm going to go with Devin Singletary, the running back out of Florida Atlantic at 302. He was, uh, much like John Kelly last year, Devin Singletary was my saddest combine performance because I liked him so much on film. And, ugh, God, it's just just disappointing. Uh, I'm going to take a running back as well here at 303. I'm going to take Travion Williams. I think he's going to be a really nice pass at catching backs in the NFL. I like my college backs to catch balls, and that's what he does. So uh, I'm pretty pretty happy with him in the third. All right, another another snipe, Matt. That that's that was my guy there. <laughs> um, let's see. I think I will. First of all, I realized we forgot a quarterback. 
So I want to see if either of you take him. I'm not going to take him here. Maybe Dan will find him. Uh, I'm going to take, I'm going to go back to the wide receiver position. I'll take Emmanuel Hall. Uh, To me, I think he deserves as much hype as Andy Isabella is getting. He's not getting it. I can get him around later, and I like that. Yeah, I, I guess we did. So I guess <laughs> I will because I, I didn't take another one. I, You know, I'm not as high on on Will Greer as, as other analysts or other dynasty owners probably are. I, I don't know if that upside exists. It, it seems like the position that I'd be in where you never know where he lands if if he had the draft capital and he goes as high as some of these mock drafts suggest he might then that'd be enough to change my thoughts um because I've been wrong a time or two so maybe I will be on him uh hopefully I am because that would that would make this class a little deeper uh not so top heavy at the position uh okay this guy is in the last player in this tier, but I don't really kind of don't want to take him, but I will here. Actually, I'm not going to take him. I'm moving Rodney Anderson way down. Oh. So, spoiler alert, oh. I'm not taking Rodney Anderson. I'm going to take, and this is probably a reach, but I really like him, and I'm going to take James Williams. Reminds me, I think he's been comped a lot to James White, very similar player. Uh, I think he'll be productive pass catching back in the NFL. You didn't snipe me. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> did I almost snipe? Did I almost snipe you? No, no, you didn't oh, almost good. snipe me. Though, I don't think you like Rodney. I, I don't. I don't like Anderson. I do think uh, I'm, he's a guy. I, I will say this: that ADP I referenced, he was a first rounder. He was. Wow. He was the one twelve in that ADP, and here we are at three seven, and he's still around. I think that's the kind of thing you're going to see in some of these drafts. Um, it, in most leagues, you're going to have guys, uh, owners who like Rodney Anderson, who like Riley Ridley, maybe a lot higher than consensus. So those those guys are going to end up being late first or early second rounders in most leagues. But every once in a while, there might be a league play out like this one has where, where they just tumble down the board. Um, I've avoided it for too long, so I'm going to go ahead and make the homer pick, and I'll take... Benny Snell here at 2.07. All right. I guess with that, I will, I'll go with the guy that you, you passed on, Matt. I'm going to take Rodney Anderson, despite all the injuries and, and all the question marks. There was a time that there were a lot of us, myself included, that thought he was a potential first round rookie pick. And, you know, to get that kind of, I guess, upside would be the word uh late in the or mid to late third round that seems like the time where you take a lottery ticket and try it out yeah i think I, like i said i think there's a chance he still is a first round rookie pick this year in in many leagues i've uh i've seen a couple people who call them their or call him their rb1 still back back to the draft capital thing if he comes off the board you know early in the second round if as maybe the second or third running back drafted then this this value is going to change pretty quickly. All right, three oh nine. I'm going to take. I really. I'm not going to play. Take the player I really want because I think he's going to be available at three twelve. So I'm going to take. Uh, I just lost it. What am I doing? I'm going to take Alex Barnes. Uh, I think that he. You know, obviously he blew up the combine. I don't really think the you really see all that explosion and quickness on film. But I'm going to trust the measurables here, and I think that is a nice upside pick here in the late third. 
All right, I think this is 310. It's my last yep. pick. Uh, I'm going to take another guy who had a good solid combine, really helped himself. I think he's he's gaining value and probably should have had this value already because he had a, he had a nice career at Ohio State. I'll take Mike Weber, the running back oh. at the 310. God. So Weber is a guy that I constantly said leading up to the combine that Man, he's a good college football running back, a really good Big Ten running back, kind of plays that role. And then you saw those explosion numbers and, and saw that everything, wow, everything's really there. I didn't expect that at the Combine. So suddenly he was a draftable player and a guy that you'd feel really good about getting at the end of the third round. So I'm going to take Mike Weber, and Ryan, you have to pick somebody else. <laughs> Holy cow, I can't believe... That's got to be at least the seventh or eighth time. I have to pick in front of you now uh, in the next mock that we do. Holy cow, it was out of control in this one. I didn't think there was a chance that you'd take Mike Weber. Okay, since I boxed into a a corner here and and got sniped once again, uh, the next best option is at the wide receiver position. For me, it's going to be Keyshawn Johnson. Uh like a few things about really wish he would have ran a little bit faster 40. I, I think he was, Ugh. uh, <laughs> that was rough. Yeah, that, that was really rough. We, <laughs> we expected in the four fives, he landed in the four sixes and that's usually the threshold. You don't see a lot of guys, uh, make a really big impact above four, six. So, um, hopefully that was just a bad day at the office and, and he can make some kind of impact at the next level. I knew you. Were gonna I'm gonna take, take the. That. I'm gonna take the opposite of him. I'm, I'm gonna take the, a fast guy. I'm gonna take McCole Hardman here. Uh, honestly, I know Paris Campbell played a better program, more productive, and all that. But I, I really think he's like the discount Paris Campbell can do a lot of the same things as as, as Campbell have. Is almost just as fast. He ran a four. I think it was a four three three to Paris Campbell's four three one or whatever it was. So just as fast, much cheaper here at the end of the third round. I think. Maybe not quite the insane upside that Campbell has, but but not too far off from that here. And I would honestly, I would take McCole Hardman over his teammate Riley Ridley at this point. So just to wrap up this third round here, Daniel Jones at 301, Devil Singletary, Travion Williams, Emmanuel Hall, Will Greer at 305, James Williams, Benny Snell, Rodney Anderson at 308, Alex Barnes, Mike Weber. Keyshawn Johnson and Mecole Hardman at 312. So there you guys have it. The Superflex three-round mock from the DLF Dynasty podcast. Fellas, any uh, any parting words before we get out of here about this class or anything else in Dynasty right now? Well, my thing is Kyler Murray. It fi- it's finally okay to get back to quarterbacks at 101 in a Superflex. I, I think people should... Get on board with it. I mean, I wouldn't hate it if somebody took him to like 110, 1 to 112 and yep. a, a one quarterback, honestly. I don't really feel – I wouldn't feel bad about that if somebody did it. So, I, I agree. Uh, yeah, e- easy 101 and super flex. All right, guys, we'll be back next week. Uh, I think, Ryan, you're, you're out next week. So we'll have a guest for you guys. We'll talk some more rookies. Thanks for listening. Uh, for Ryan, for Dan, I'm Matt, and we'll talk to you next week on the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Good times. This is too much fun with you guys.